Please join me in the prayer for illumination. Holy God, Arthur of life, through the power of your Holy Spirit, may we hear and understand what your word has to tell us today. Amen. Our scripture today comes from the book of Romans, chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. Hear these words. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Great to be back with y'all today. A number of y'all are very, very um, perceptive. You saw that I was wearing a coat and you, say, you said, are you preaching today? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so the title of this sermon series is The Rambling Road, uh, Listening to God's Voice. And when we talk about discerning God's will for our life, we often, inside the church, we use a word called discernment. We say we're discerning God's word for our life. Now, that's, that's kind of a churchy word, isn't it? That's not a word we use in the general public. If I were to ask you, where are you going to lunch after service, you wouldn't say, well, we have to discern on that. <laughs> no, you'd say, well, we have to decide. So a question we need to ask is, what's the difference between discernment and just plain old-fashioned decision-making? And we'll be talking about that this morning. When Josh asked me to preach in this sermon series, I said, yes, this is something I know about. Most of you know, a lot of you know that I am in the midst of my own rambling road of discernment. For those of you that don't know, I am in the process of moving from my, uh, my first career as a chemical engineer, and I'm responding to a call to full-time ministry. <clears throat> and that road has been long and rambling indeed, <laughs> and is ongoing. <laughs> so I felt that this was a, a topic I could preach on. I had one little problem, though. I didn't have a text, I didn't have a scripture. And so I fell back on a time-honored sermon preparation technique that every pastor has used at, at some point in their career. I sat down at my desk and I opened an internet browser <laughs> and I typed in top verses for discernment, enter. And up came a list of verses, and this Romans verse came up. And I said, oh, that's nice. It's good. It has the word discern in it, so that's a good start. <laughs> so I'll take that one. Text selection over. Back to the sermon writing. <laughs> that didn't work out for me. <laughs> as, as so often happens, I find, when we really sit with a scripture, it will get its fingers into us. It will grab us. And something was happening with this text for me. Every time I read it, I felt 
uncomfortable. I felt tension. I felt friction. And I couldn't really put my finger on why. So I'd like to go through the verse really quick and just show you. There's two points in particular that I was having trouble with. And I'll point those out. Anytime we look at Scripture, we have to kind of orient ourselves. We have to know the context of where it comes from. No cherry picking out of the Bible, right? Right? Yes, very important. So the thing you need to know about Romans is Romans is Paul's Ph.D. thesis. It's his most theological work. And he spends 11 chapters struggling with the ideas of faith, of grace, of sin, of righteousness. And for 11 chapters, this goes on. And he's been building up to this point, chapter 12, verse 1. He's been waiting to get to the point. And it's possible some of the Romans were waiting on him to get to the point. But okay. So here we are, verse 12. Uh, chapter 12, verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, I beseech you, is another translation. I beg you. This is important to Paul. Therefore, therefore, everything that has come before, now here's the point. Brothers and sisters, by the mercy of God, mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. <clears throat> living sacrifice. I don't know about you, but that to me is somewhat a contradiction in terms. Living, we're breathing, we're alive, we're happy, sacrifice. <laughs> right? Those, those seem like a weird connection of, 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 of words. So we need to think about that. What does Paul mean? Which is your spiritual, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Here we go. Verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world. This is the one that got me too. Conform to the world. I didn't understand exactly what Paul meant by that. So that's the second tension, second friction point. But be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may discern. There's the word discern, so this is why I have this text. That you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. I couldn't figure out why this verse was bugging me. And so I had to read some more. I had to study some more. I had to pray some more. Which, by the way, was very inconvenient for me. <laughs> I, had, I had a sermon to write. But what was finally, what I finally realized, or probably what was finally revealed to me, is that I, what was bothering me is I had heard this text preached many times in my Christian upbringing, right? This is a pretty common text. And I had heard it preached in ways that I didn't agree with. I think that this text is often used to justify some unhealthy ways of discernment. And I'd like to point out two examples. Take the living sacrifice. What you'll often hear this text preached on with the living sacrifice is that the best thing for us to do as Christians is to pour out our life 
and to give and to give and to give. And the best thing that we can do is to be as selfless as possible. And that's a message that can be internalized by a lot of folks. It can be internalized by teachers, by medical professionals, even by police officers. But I have to say, most often, that message is preached to women and especially to mothers. And that idea, this idea that our lives are nothing but perpetual sacrifice for others, is a ready-made recipe for emotional burnout, spiritual burnout, spiritual burnout. The second phrase that was bugging me is, do not conform to the world. I think we've all heard this preached. And the, the point is, do not conform to the world because it's an evil place. It's sinful. It's impure. We have to hold it out. We have to build up the walls of the church so the impurity cannot get in. Have you heard that sermon before? <clears throat> I respectfully disagree with that sermon <laughs> for two, two reasons. First of all, sin is a reality for all of us. Sin is already in the church because it's in us. Can we agree on that? The second thing is, and this is really fundamental, I am so grateful that God did not fear the world. That God did not feel that the world was something that could be written off because it was evil. But instead, God came into the world to save us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That is the core of the Christian message. And guys, if we are going to be true followers of Christ, we have to follow Christ into the world. So those are the two unhealthy ways of discernment that I was kind of being bugged by in this text. And notice the questions are connected. They share the same viewpoint. In the first, you ask, what must I do? What can I do? What more can I do? And in the second, we talk about what must I stay away from? What must I fear? But notice who's doing the action in both of those. It's always focused on me. It's focused on what I can do or what must I do. And for me, this is the fundamental misunderstanding. If the discernment question that we ask ourselves boils down to what can I do for God, we've missed the point of what Paul is saying. If we're asking, what can I do for God? By the way, do you know what the answer to that question is? What can I do for God? Nothing. God does not need our help. That's a very hard lesson for some of us to understand. <laughs> I'm preaching to myself here. It's just simply the wrong question to ask. When I was struggling with my call to ministry very early on, um, I went and I talked to Peter. I went to talk to Pastor Peter. And uh, 
Peter, being a very good pastor, didn't try to give me the answers. He didn't just give me the candidacy handbook and say, fill out this 40,000 forms that you have to <laughs> fill out. He didn't try to give me the answers to, you know, this is what I think you should do, blip, A, B, C. Instead, he did something very wise and very de- generous. He said, hey, I know about this online class. It's on an online class in personal discernment. And we should take that together. So we did. And it came with a book, and I forgot my book. That's okay. The book was entitled Living Into the Answers, a workbook for personal spiritual discernment. And, it, and while reading that book, I had one of these aha moments. You've had one of those? But just the light bulb turned on. And it was in the introduction of the book. I could have stopped reading at that point. And page, I don't know, eight, something like that. It said, we often ask the question, what does God will for my life? But that phrase, God's will, really has connotations for a lot of us that aren't very helpful. A lot of us think of God's will as a list of things that we should do. I know I do. I call it the divine checklist. Do this, then do that, then do this. And so the book suggested that we should not use the phrase God's will, but instead use uh, language like, what is God's desire for my life? What is God's hope for my life? What is God's yearning for my life? And friends, the best way I can explain this is to remember that we call God Father. We do so because Christ told us to, right? In the Lord's Prayer, for example, our Father who art in heaven. We don't call God boss, and we don't call God supervisor, right? We call God Father. God is our divine parent, not our divine supervisor, not our divine manager. And so for those of you that are parents, when you think about your child's life, I don't think we think about what can, this per- what can my child do for me. We don't think of a to-do list. I mean, sometimes. <laughs> Make your bed. Okay, that might be on the list. But, but if you think of their long-term life, What do you want for your child? What do you hope for them? You hope for a life of joy? A life of peace? Of contentment? Of flourishing? And that's what God wants for us. This was the aha moment for me. And it really changed all the questions that I would ask about discernment. For instance, we can go back to the living, the living sacrifice example. Being a living sacrifice, living out our spiritual act of worship, is not just giving and giving and giving until we can't give anymore. Instead, it's living a flourishing life devoted to God. And instead of thinking of conforming to the world as, as restricting us, as putting us in a, a fortress away from the world. We need to listen to God's voice. Because when God says, do not conform to the world, 
What I think God is saying is, my child, don't be stuck there. Because if you stay there, you can never flourish. You can never become everything that I want you to become. Paul goes on to say, we have to be transformed and our minds renewed. And he has in mind our baptism. When we remember our baptism, this is what we should be reminded of. That we have been taken out of the world for a good purpose, for a divine purpose. Therefore, I urge you, my brothers and sisters. This is my Romans 12, by the way. (laughs) This is my reworking of Romans 12. Don't get caught into the trap of asking, what can I, what must I, what should I do for God? Instead, remember that God is the perfect parent, and you are God's beloved child. I'm going to say that again. (laughs) God is the perfect parent, and you are God's beloved child. The right question to ask yourself is, what does God desire? What does God hope? What does God yearn for my life? And asking that question, asking the right question, will make all the difference. Amen.